Welcome to a live concert recording from the Society of Sound Radio Network. I'm Keith Horner, today with Toronto's Group of 27 Chamber Orchestra and the Matthew Larkin Singers. This is the Gloria from Haydn's Theresian Mass.
was glorious music, beautifully performed there live in concert. It was the Gloria from Haydn's Theresian Mass. And the soloists were Jennifer Taverner Soprano, Anita Krauss Sommezzo, Jean-Philippe Fortier Lazur Tenor, and Justin Walsh Baritone. The Larkin Singers and Group of 27 Chamber Orchestra were all directed by Matthew Larkin. The Group of 27 is the Chamber Orchestra that we'll be hearing throughout this concert broadcast on this Society of Sound production, with Schubert's G Major Mass to come, and after that an attractive recent work by Quebec composer Michael Oesterly. The G27's founder and music director is Eric Paidko, and Eric's here with me now to tell us a little bit more about the orchestra and the man who leads it. What were your goals when you decided to put together this orchestra and build what is already a very accomplished orchestra, Eric? Well, I was a freelance violist for quite a few years in Toronto before I went into conducting. And many of my colleagues uh, here in Toronto are members of, of the city's uh, orchestras, Toronto Symphony, Canadian Opera Company, National Ballet, etc. And also a number of freelancers. And I just noticed what an exceptional uh, amount of talent this city has. And so I thought, well, if I start conducting, um, I would love to, to bring all these people together um, with, with an orchestra that Toronto doesn't actually have. In other words, uh, a full uh, chamber orchestra, meaning strings, winds, brass, and percussion. We have a number of string ensembles, and sometimes the string ensembles bring in brass, and, and tafa music uh, is there, but that's more specialized, to, of course, to the Baroque and, and classical. And so I thought, wow, we can, bring, uh, we can bring something really special about, or at least attempt to, with all this exceptional talent. So that was my goal. Collectively, they play a lot of repertory then, chamber and orchestral and opera and ballet. Um, do they share any values or have anything in common, these musicians? Um, like most really good musicians, there's a love of chamber music. And most of us, when we studied in school and conservatories or universities, we were all members of string quartets or, or woodwind quintets or, or a lot of chamber, chamber groups. And I think... When you bring them together, whether it's a Mahler symphony, whether it's a small Haydn, uh, early Haydn symphony, there's always an element of chamber music that comes out and it's playing together and making music together. It's a sort of active chamber music playing rather than passive orchestral playing, perhaps. Exactly, exactly. So there's, there's a, um, a certain involvement. So you managed to persuade 27 of your best friends that uh, Toronto needed a, a large chamber orchestra, full chamber orchestra. What about Toronto concert goers? How are you persuading them that the city needs a chamber orchestra? Well, that's a, that's a little harder. That's a little harder. Um, I, <laughs> when I started this group, perhaps I was a bit naive, and, and, but in a good uh, entrepreneurial way. Uh, yes, it's a lot of hard work to build up an audience and build up a name for oneself. Um, that's something we keep building on. And how I like to look at it is we have this, these wonderful musicians and, and some great repertoire. Let's maybe even present it in a different way. Let's experiment with how to present it without ever uh, losing the artistic uh, excellence. Maybe presenting it with text, um, uh, maybe format. Also the different uh, music we perform. Uh, earlier this year we performed some John Zorn and some other avant-garde composers uh, coming up in the next season. 
things that interest maybe a different portion of Toronto's concert-going yeah. audience, but also some theatrical elements. We can't spread ourselves too thin and try to please everyone, but I'm very interested in being able to present them in a flexible way. We can experiment a bit more. Because we are flexible and we're not full-time 42, 48, 52 weeks of the season, we can take a bit more chances that way. Now, you presented this concert with the Larkin Singers. They're a chamber choir formed about five years ago, shortly after you formed the, uh, the, G, the G27. And we're going to be hearing both groups now performing Schubert's G Major Mass. This is an early work, isn't it? It is. By this time, Schubert was already very immersed into Lida and the way of, of presenting text in a very musical way. Then I think the, the, this Mass in G really is, is a wonderful example of how he mixed those worlds. And as we know, Schubert was maybe more concerned with the mood and atmosphere of something rather than specific little details. Although there is definitely some word painting within that. But in this Mass, he sets this wonderful mood, movement by movement. Um, it's, it's almost like, like a, a boat that just kind of goes on the waves, and sometimes the waves are a bit bigger. And then the denouement at the end, at the, on the, at the Agnustier, it really comes to a wonderful um, finish. So there's a, there's a wonderful arc to this whole Mass. Very good. Well, let's listen now then. This is the group of 27 chamber orchestra, the Larkin Singers, and my guest, conductor Eric Peiko. The soloists, Jennifer Taverner Soprano, Jean-Philippe Fortier-Lazur Tenor, and Justin Welsh Baritone. This is Franz Schubert's Mass in G.
That's Schubert's G Major Mass. Reflective music at times, as we just heard in the Agnus Day, Joyful and majestic at others. But it's always concise and compact. It's music that he wrote at the age of just 18. The second and most popular of seven masses by Franz Schubert. The soloists were Jennifer Taverner, Jean-Philippe Portier-Lazur and Justin Welsh. Eric Peiko directed the Larkin Singers and Group of 27 Chamber Orchestra. You're listening to a live concert broadcast on the Society of Sound Radio Network. I'm Keith Horner, joined again now by today's conductor, Eric Peiko. Now, you yourself, Eric, played viola, as you've said, in a number of orchestras in Toronto and in Europe before trading your bow for the baton. What did your years as a viola player bring to Eric Petko, the conductor? Quite a bit, quite a bit. It's, um, it's almost a joke by now that, that there are so many violists uh, that are conductors. Sitting in the middle of the orchestra and hearing all the lines around us and, and having a filler voice, it's something we love as violists. Um, being surrounded by the bass and the celli, the top lines of the violins, behind us all the winds and the brass so you really get a whole grasp of and a whole gist of, of of everything that goes on in a symphonic work so it encourages a collaborative approach and do you try to inform your conducting with this i think so i think um there's so many wonderful musicians that bring out different individual stuff um while you're rehearsing while you're performing that you have to uh, you have to have room for that and be open to that because that's what I think really then you're making music rather than just imposing something. And that's what we strive for. Whether it always happens or not, that's another thing, but that's what we strive for. Now, you were recently a um, resident conductor with Quebec City's uh, wonderful uh, Les Violons du Roi. Um, their bread and butter is Baroque music, of course. Um, what does your expertise with early music bring to you as a conductor? What it brings to me and what it, what, how I'm influenced by it is, is the gesture of Baroque music, the, the way the phrasing is done. You can have a certain phrase that, that really digs into 
certain notes within a larger phrase. So you have a lot of mini phrases within a larger phrase. And how that is brought about can be different from Baroque Orchestra to Baroque Orchestra. And I love, I love exploring those different things. And I hope that sort of uh, thinking of music comes to my romantic and 20th century and, and contemporary uh, music making in that try to find always the individual music within the music, how to bring out those different phrases and in the longer phrases and how to make the piece work as a whole. Well, we have contemporary music next. Uh, Canadian composer Michael Osterley lives just outside Montreal and he's currently a composer in residence with the Victoria Symphony. What drew you to Michael Osterley's 2009 piece, Unreasonable World? I've always been drawn to his music since I first heard it uh, years ago. And so I was with Les Villons. We were planning a, a summer tour and uh, I wanted, to, or we wanted to put a Canadian work on. And the, one of the uh, fantastic co-soloists uh, or co-concert masters of Les Villons is Pascal Giguère, who's a very energetic and incredibly virtuosic soloist. And I thought, ooh, it'd be wonderful to do some sort of contemporary violin concerto with her in a Canadian work. So I was looking at Michael's site. I, I saw this, this work, but it was for five movements and, and quite long and too long for our program. So I mentioned this to Michael and I said, is there anything else you have? And he said, don't worry, Eric, we can make this a three movement work. And I said, wonderful, great. So that's how it came about. And then when we had the opportunity to do it again this year with our, our wonderfully talented concertmaster Atsuko Kumura, um, it was a pleasure. It was just, uh, it was wonderful. I, I really love the, the diversity of the three movements that, that, um, that he covers in terms of, well, we talked about the Baroque, gesture. Gesture and the idiom he uses for each of the movements. I find it orally very attractive music. It, it's immediately captivating. But there's a very complex backstory to it. Now, I don't think we should go into it in great detail, but... Uh, Am I right in believing that essentially the music is a character portrayal of someone very complex? Pretty much. That's, that's basically, basically it. suffice to say, it's, it's the influenced by the life of Blaise Pascal, the, the great 17th century French uh, mathematician, uh, physicist, philosopher, theologian, and like you said, a very complicated person. And these three movements reflect that. Absolutely. Well, I think we should listen now to this, this uh, music. So here again, the group of 27 Chamber Orchestra and its concertmaster, violin soloist Atsuko Kimura, all under the direction of Eric Paitko. This is Michael Esterly's Unreasonable World.
Live in concert from the Society of Sound, you just heard a performance of Unreasonable World by Michael Osterley. It's probing, thoughtful and above all engaging music. It reflects the complex mind of the 17th century French physicist and religious thinker Blaise Pascal. A virtuoso piece for violinist Etsuko Kimura. The group of 27 chamber orchestra performed under music director Eric Peitko. You can find a playlist of today's music and links to both the G27 and Larkin Singers and more at societyofsound.ca. This is the Society of Sound Radio Network. I'm Keith Horner. Till next time.